Okay, so today we have a special interview. It's actually three parts. It's with two of my childhood friends, and we're at a company called Drip Club. Andrew, how's it going? Good, man. Thanks for having me. What What is Drip Club exactly? What do you, What do you guys do? We evolved over time, but today we do product development. So we, you know, develop and, and distribute our own brands of e-liquids, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the United States and all over the world. So if I'm like a vape shop or something like that, I probably go to you guys for different flavors. Is that how it works? In the beginning, we used to sell a lot to directly to vape shops, but now we're kind of changing our model a bit where we're focusing more on the product branding side and then we're working with distribution partners to get the product out to the shops. We all have our own entrepreneurial journey. Like you have yours, Jonathan, which will be on in a little bit. We all have our different ones, but how did you get to where you are now? You had, you had a, basically you had a company before this. The very first company that I started was called Stoom Room. It was a online rental service for costumes. You know, college students, they do a lot of theme parties. We wanted to create a service where they didn't have to buy the costumes. So that was the first business I started. I started that with my girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And what I think- you, What did you learn from that? I think you should think very carefully about going to business with your significant other because I think there's a lot of challenges and stress and anxiety and that can put a lot of strain on a relationship. Now, a lot of people do it and they make it work, but I think I think it's challenging. So it's a very small percentage that can make it work. <laughs> yeah, because I think like you you go you're working all day, you're thinking about work, but then when you go home, you're thinking about it again, right? Exactly, and you know when you're when that happens, and you're seeing them every day. That's tough, you know, and and you kind of have to when you have disagreements in the business, it's really tough to separate that from your personal life, especially if you guys are you know boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wife, you know. I think it was Bill Campbell, the guy that mentored Steve Jobs and these other people in, in Silicon Valley said, uh, don't ever work with your friends. So talk about this business now. Oh man, that's tough. I mean, I feel like- You're working a, with one of your best friends. Yeah, we, we were, I'm working with one of my best friends. No matter what, when you're looking for a business partner, the process is the same, whether they're a friend or not. And I think it's identifying the values. Work ethic is important. You know, you want somebody that is in the trenches with you, who's willing to roll up their sleeves. And I think looking back, one thing that we, probably should have done too is, and I think is really useful, is taking a personality test. There's different services that can do it and they're free, you can go online. It was interesting because we took that personality test and all three of our personalities completely Complement each other. And we're, we're, we're all different, you know, in different ways. I think communication is really important. So what I'm hearing is A, set up boundaries initially, right? Definitely. You have to have like, and then you also have to have criteria. Then the third thing is taking like a Myers-Briggs or even like a Tony Robbins disc assessment. Yeah, personality test to see what our strengths and weaknesses are. Also, I think in the beginning, you should clearly, as best as you can, lay out the roles and responsibilities, right? And, and that way, everybody has a clear idea of their value add because I feel like that's important, right? Sometimes it feels bad if you don't, if personally you don't feel like you're adding value to the company. And I think getting all that out in the beginning and recognizing each other for each other's value add is important. So communication is a huge piece of it. When it gets tough, you'll see people's true character come out, right? Yeah. But I think it's establishing those rules and those criteria, and then yeah. able to, being able to move forward from that, right? It's almost like you have to over communicate in the beginning. Like, it's like, it's no different than a relationship with you know, outside of work, like, you know, with your significant other. Communication is key and that's no different than, you know, in in entrepreneurship. Right. So you and Jonathan started it, started this thing. Where did the idea come from? We started peripherally seeing a lot of activity, right? So his old company actually entered the space in, in the hardware side of things. The big aha moment was we went to YouTube and we found a video of the very first uh, e-cig convention. So it was like the very first big e-cig convention in SoCal. 
and it was an hour long and then we watched it and as we were watching we saw that it was very fragmented there's a lot of even at the time there's a lot of different brands and for people kind of new to the you know new to this industry and new to the product category um, we just asked ourselves you know if you know for us is actually really confusing to get into this right it's, there's a lot of moving parts it's really it, it might be intim intimidating for people who are interested in getting out smoking you know using e-cigarettes to get into it and so the first idea that we had, our first entry point, was um, creating a subscription service for e-liquids, you know, for beginners who are looking, you know, who have questions about, you know, what's the best brand, right? You want to be the curator for these people. Um, so we we adopted the Birchbox model and just applied it to our industry, and that's where we, we first got the idea, and that's how we first started. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that sounds like it was the the first phase, and so where are you now? It sounds like you've gone through different phases. Well, what kind of business is it now? Now we're, we're totally different. We actually exited the uh, subscription business. So why did you guys exit? Because you know I think you have to kind of, as an entrepreneur, I feel like you know you have to follow the opportunity. And even though the subscription was kind of our the way that we entered the market and made our name, um, you know you have to keep an eye out in terms of where the value is in the industry, right? So. Uh, you know, and it, it, we kind of stumbled upon it because in this in the su subscription service, you know, we had to onboard brands, right? And we were actually having a challenging time finding or finding brands that we would want to add in. So there was actually a shortage of brands that we were we were we thought that were you know good enough to work with, and so we said, hey, hey why don't we just create our own, right? Mm. And so. So what I'm hearing is you have to be willing to you know make adjustments on the fly and be adaptable. Yeah, I mean I think in the early days you have to be open-minded and realize that there's going to be constant and you know there's going to be constant change and you can never you know when you're small when you don't have a big brand yet you know that's when you kind of have to you know see where where's the biggest where's the bluest ocean you know in all in right. in where you're operating now. Yeah. There's a really good book that talks about this actually. It's called um, The Founder's Mentality. Mm -hmm. And so it talks about the challenges or, or di the different crises that companies face at different stages. In the beginning, you have, everybody's thinking like an owner. Your team is really small, you know, and you're at the front line. Like you're taking the sales calls, you're going out, you're understanding the customers, you're closing all the deals. But then when you get bigger, you know, the people at the top, they kind of lose that connection, right? Like now that you have sales managers, you have middle management, you, you almost lose touch a little bit. And I think that's what happens because when when you're at a point where you feel like, oh, a lot of people are copying you and what's happening? You know, they're eating, everybody's taking your market share. It's because you lost that, you know, frontline exposure. And, and if you stay, you know, if you kind of retain that entrepreneurial spirit when you grow big, that's when you will see, you won't get surprised by new entrance coming in, right? You'll always be ahead. And that's the big, that's the hardest thing, I feel like. So how do you guys do that right now? How do you, how do you stay in front of things? How do you keep that entrepreneurial spirit? That's a lesson that we learned, right? Like, I think, I feel like there was huge growth for our company in the first two years, I would say. We were, we were a bit blindsided by a new bottle format that came out. We had a lot of success at selling a 30 mil bottle, right? And what happened was another company came out with a 60 mil at a cheaper per mil price. And that really disrupted industry because a lot of our supply chain was focused on that 30 mil. You know, he, he became a big brand, right? And you know, if we had adapted to that reality sooner and realized the need to adapt to that reality sooner, you know, that's more sales, right? right. So having your pulse on, on the customer and, and like trends and things happening in the industry, that can get lost. And that's actually really hard, you know, easier said than done. And so 
I think for us, we've kind of developed internal processes, workflows, and devoted human resources to that area alone. So we have, you know, George, who used to be our VP of Ops, but now he's our VP of Market Intelligence Strategy. And like, you know, doing that, it'll reduce the chances of you ever getting surprised by like another competitor coming in with some innovation or like you want to make sure you stay ahead of all that, right? right. So it sounds like you created that role out of necessity because of a pain point you, you yeah. had to deal with. And it, exactly. it's, that's actually a role I've never heard of before. So how do you even, is that just the title you gave him or is that something you looked for specifically? Well, and you decided he's just the one. It, it worked out that he was the one because his background, he'd spent five years at Goldman Sachs as an iBanker, right? So market research, he was really good at that already. I don't think we're naturally trained salespeople. So how yeah. did you get into sales? Uh, we'll start with that first. In college and in high school, I never thought that I would go into sales and I, I didn't think I would enjoy it. And I think sales gets a bad rap a little bit just because, you know, sometimes you, you kind of think of, or the imagery you kind of think of when you say sales is like call center, you know, mm -hmm. super, you know, it's like a grind or or it's very sleazy, like a used car kind of vibe, right? But I think um, I want to get into startups and I want to start my own company. So I joined a startup, a tech company in, in Marina del Rey. The biggest downside is I'm gonna learn a lot. I might fall on my face, but I'll learn a lot anyways. When I went in, it was, it totally changed my perspective. How's your team structured right now and how are you scaling? Yeah, in the beginning, it was literally an avalanche of, of orders. So for us, it was really throwing bodies at the problem and we needed we needed a bucket to catch all the orders. How did, like you, a how did you get those bodies? Went on Craigslist. <laughs> I wouldn't advise going on Craigslist to be honest. Um, you know, we do recruiting a different way now, but back then we were desperate for people to bring on because we actually needed people to sell now. And the mistake that we made actually was when those changes happened, we needed a different type of salesperson. Mm. But then we kept the people on the beginning a lot longer than we should have. And so I think one lesson is when you reckon, when you, your business changes and you know, more, more often than not, your needs will change and you will outgrow the people that you initially started with. And so when you have that gut feeling and when you have those feelings, act on it quick. So did you have to let them go? We had to, right? And, but the, the problem is that we kept them on for so long, there's a lot of friction. Like our expectations were different. Their expectations were different. Yeah. Their capabilities were different. We wanted somebody, you know, we wanted different capabilities. and. There's friction there. And so it came to a head where we had to let, you know, a, a fair amount of people go because it, it just built up, right? So So what got you here won't get you there, right? Yeah, exactly. Great. Well Andrew, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me.